You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. So remember this. When the devil comes with distractions, remember there's something more important going on. There's bigger fish to fry. Remember, Jesus already got a fish fry on the bank. You over there, fishing around for stuff that don't even exist. Most of Satan's gossip is just fabricated lies to give the illusion of something real. Y'all know what fear is? I've, I've heard this acronym and I like it. False evidence appearing real. Are you ever afraid? You feel the kind of fear that grips you and makes you stop doing what God has called you to do? Pastor Gary today calls this a distraction, an illusion that the devil uses to keep us from accomplishing God's purpose. What God has in mind for us is so wonderful that Satan tries to distract us with fear, false evidence appearing real. Satan uses illusion. God uses truth. Let's recognize Satan's tricks and smash the lies by constantly reminding ourselves of the truth in God's Word. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of John chapter 21 as he begins his message, There's Bigger Fish to Fry. John chapter number 21. We'll read verses 1 through 13. Hallelujah. John chapter 21. Verse 1, after these things, these things referencing the death, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. I'm always interested in figuring out how the Lord reveals himself. Amen. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we go also with thee. I don't have time to preach that sermon, but be careful because the decisions you say about yourself will ultimately influence others amen they went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught what does the bible say nothing Nothing. but when the morning was now come jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was jesus hmm Have you ever had the Lord to try to reveal himself to you, but you didn't recognize him at first? Verse 5, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. (laughs) At least they were honest. And he said unto them, (laughs) Some of y'all would have said, Oh, we got a big and you ought to see it. (laughs) Amen. He said unto them, Cast the net on the other side of the ship, and ye shall find... They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. (laughs) Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he 
girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread... Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? knowing that it was the Lord. By the time God gets through revealing himself to you, you'll have no doubt who you had an encounter with. Amen. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. My focus this morning, though, is verse 9. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon. I want you to get this picture with me for just a minute. Before Jesus spoke and gave them instruction, and before they, at his word, caught a great multitude of fish, they spent an entire evening, an entire night, and had caught nothing. And so they're looking in the wrong place. Today my message is there's bigger fish to fry. This is a little bit of a a metaphor, if you will. But I'm thinking about how often we get to a place in our lives where we try to take full control over things that we don't completely understand. And before you know it, we're spinning our wheels, if you will. We're wasting a lot of time getting a whole lot of nothing accomplished. Somebody say amen right there. And sometimes we are pulled away from God's best and brightest future for our lives And we are wasting time on petty things. And we're going about life in all the wrong way. Meanwhile, there's a much bigger and more important issue at stake. And that is the will and the ways of God for our lives. Many times even in ministry, if we're not careful, we will start uh, doing anything but what God actually called the church to do, which is to be a beacon of light with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, You know as well as I do, it's no secret to know that there are many churches today that are drying up on the vine and they're dying, and it's not because the gospel doesn't work, it's because the gospel is not worked. Now let me repeat myself. It's not that the gospel don't work. It's just that we don't work the gospel. Meaning we don't present it. We don't share it. We don't get busy about our father's business. And I'm not against programs and I'm not against all kinds of church activity. Whatever it takes to reach the community to build relationships. I love it all. But we've always got to keep the main thing the main thing. If it becomes anything besides gospel centered and gospel focused then the church ceases to be a true church and it ceases to grow and multiply like God intended to. I 
don't believe for a second that any church was ever meant by God to dry up and die and close their doors. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be vibrant, supposed to be lively. Amen. It's supposed to be on the move, supposed to be reaching people with the gospel. And yet we have occupied ourselves fishing around for things that God never intended us to fish around with. But meanwhile, he's got everything we need on the seashore of his word. Can I get an amen? Uh, it's not really that complicated. If we just be about our father's business, uh, if we just start talking to people about Jesus again, amen, uh, and we'll even have classes on how to soul win, and we'll have uh, conferences on how to soul win, and yet when it comes right down to actually doing the work, everybody just grows silent all of a sudden. And I'm saying there's bigger fish to fry than our personal preferences, our personal comforts, uh, our personal comfort zones, amen, uh, and we can busy ourselves with much much stuff and it looks good on the surface uh, but the truth is we're not drawing anything in somebody say amen this morning and i say this morning there's bigger fish to fry and i might be preaching to somebody this morning you're going through some things right now and the devil has throwed you off your game and he's got you distracted he's got you discouraged he's got you displaced and we're going to talk about those things. So follow with me, if you will. First, I want you to notice in chapter 21, verse number three, the Bible said, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. I don't believe that Jesus ever meant for the disciples to never fish again. Uh, obviously, they had to eat. They had to live. I don't think that I could emphatically say that there was anything particularly wrong with Peter going fishing. I think it was the timing and the attitude that was wrong. Because God had told him, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. That's what Jesus told them. And what had happened in Peter's life is a lot of things had transpired that discouraged him. He wasn't sure what was going on. Everything in his life was sifted. I mean, he had this vision and this picture in his mind of a Messiah that would come rescue the nation of Israel out of the control of Rome and all of that. And, and he believed that he was going to set up an earthly throne. I believe that's what he believed. The scripture seems to indicate that was the predominant philosophy and mind of thought during that era of time and G Jesus came and he kind of disappointed him at first because he wasn't there to sling swords uh, amen he wasn't there to raise up a physical literal army Peter was slinging a sword in the garden while Jesus was saying put up your sword and everything that Jesus was Look, nothing like Peter had been raised up in Sunday school to believe that he would be. And he couldn't wrap his head around it. Uh, a lot of the things Jesus taught, uh, and it wasn't no fault of Peter's really, uh, because it threw everybody off. Nobody really completely understood until the revelation of Jesus Christ came what exactly was going on. Of course, hindsight being 2020, we can look back at church history and we can understand, uh, amen, that the Mosaic law was given as an introductory course uh, to lead us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we were not always meant to, to actually offer up literal blood sacrifices on altars like in the temple in the Old Testament, that that was not God's plan for that to always be in place. But it was a foreshadowing and it was a picture and it was a type of how Jesus 
would set up first not an earthly kingdom but a heavenly kingdom on the earth in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. And there's no greater force even to this day in the earth than the force of the kingdom of God in the hearts of humanity. Now I know right now it looks like the devil's a winning. I know right now it looks like he's fully in control. But can I tell you something? Just when the devil thinks he's got Jesus, Jesus comes up out of the grave. Amen. Just when the devil thinks he's got the upper hand, God's kingdom rises up again. And we need to realize that while Peter was looking for one thing, Jesus was doing something completely different. And so this took him by surprise. Uh, Here was the man that raised the dead. Here was the man that touched the blinded eyes. Here was the man that made the lame to walk and cleansed the lepers. Here was the man that just walked up to him and tapped him on his shoulder and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately the power of that word made him drop everything in you and abandon it all to follow Jesus. And now here this man is having gone through a crucifixion having been raised from the dead, he's no longer physically present with them. They had grown to custom, uh, no doubt, over the last three years of spending the time with Jesus, uh, and they didn't expect his physical departure, and so everything looks like chaos in Peter's life. So he did what, the only thing he knew to do is he went back to fishing. He went back to familiar territory. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Referencing John chapter 1 and verse 3 where he said, I go fishing. What circumstances led up to Peter even thinking about going back to what he was familiar with prior to Jesus' call on his life? Well, I did think about something else that happened. It was a biggie. You remember when Peter denied the Lord? I wonder if Peter was still hanging his head. I wonder if Peter was disappointed in himself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's my first point I want you to look at. Number one, there's bigger fish to fry when discouragement drains your affection. You know what the devil will do? The devil will remind you of your mistakes. The devil will remind you of your disappointments. He will remind you of your failures. And he will allow that discouragement to sink into your life to such a degree that it will rob you of your affection for Jesus. I believe that Peter's fear and Peter's failure led to his discouragement. I believe that discouragement is the lack of will and courage to stay the course. Amen. And often the biggest source of discouragement in our life is disappointment in ourselves. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I believe that someone has gotten off track with discouragement. And the reason you're not on the front line serving God today is because you have failed miserably and you don't believe that you're even qualified to be used of God and it has robbed you of your affection for Jesus because you don't think that your efforts are even going to be uh, make a difference or be noticed uh, or even be that important but let me remind you failure is an event it's not a person amen uh, do not live under the identity of your mistake uh, but live under the 
identity of the one who will forgive you, the one who will restore you, the one who bought and paid for you, the one that's faithful to you, amen, and you tell discouragement to take a beaten path away from you, amen. Don't you let discouragement rob you of your affection for Jesus. Amen, church. Somebody needs to be reminded today that failure is not a person, it's an event. When are you going to wipe your tears from your eyes, confess your sin, get it under the blood, and forgive yourself like God has already forgiven you? Forgive, but God will choose not to remember it again. I don't have the advantage of forgetting my failures. God has that advantage. And if I'm not careful, I will place myself under condemnation for something that not only has God already forgiven, but God has already chosen not to remember against me. And it might live fresh in my mind, but God is saying, what are you even talking about? So we have got to give ourselves permission that if God has forgiven us, that we ought also to forgive ourselves and to move on for Jesus. Listen to me. There's a lot more at stake right now than your personal agenda. Realize that God's army wants you. I didn't say he needed you. God can do it without you and me. But I got something better than the fact that he would need us is that he wants us. God wants us serving him. He wants us on the front line. And we have no business sitting in our failure while the kingdom of God is looking for workers that will get up in forgiveness and march on for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There's bigger fish to fry. Get about the father's business today. Amen. Hallelujah. Not only that, let's look at another text. You remember this. We're talking about a man that in previous passages said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. This is the same Peter. At one point, he was so confident. At one point, (laughs) he was ready to die for Jesus, so he said. And now, he's tucked tail and run. And probably, if he's like me, wondering whether or not the Lord would ever forgive him. Wondering if he could ever be restored. Done blew it. Done messed up. And I want you to think about this. What would cause the familiar to be so attractive to someone that they would walk away from such a ministry in life as Christ lived and taught his disciples? How could that happen to us if we're not careful? So at one point he was saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life, and now he says, I go a fishing. Can I put it another way? I'm done with ministry, because ministry done me in. By the way, serving God in the armies, you're going to incur injury. It's not going to be cushy, comforty. Not if you do it right. Not if you do it biblically. You're going to hurt feelings, and your feelings are going to be hurt. You're going to both discourage others and be discouraged yourself. It's a prickly assignment. You're constantly on edge. I heard a preacher preaching about John the Baptist one time wearing that camel skin. And I don't know if this is true or not. I kind of doubt it. But the preacher said it. And I want you to think about it. What if John the Baptist wore that camel skin inside out? And I think sometimes that's what we're doing. We're wearing the garment of the gospel, but it's prickly. It's scratchy. And we want to just lay it down because it attracts more discomfort than comfort. And a lot of times that's the reason people 
are not serving God because serving God gets tough. Now, if your experience with serving God has been peachy and sunshine and roses, let's have a talk after church because God knows I have not been to that class. I haven't figured out how to do that. And maybe I brought a lot of the injury on myself. I don't know. But let me tell you something. There's going to be days where you're going to be discouraged. There's going to be days where the same person that said, Lord, there's nobody else to go to is the one that says, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm done with this. Because it got itchy. It got uncomfortable. I signed up, but I didn't know it was going to cost this much. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And a lot of times, our lack of progress is our source of discouragement. We do something, it don't work, so we don't ever try again. Where is our fortitude? Where is our strength? Is it in ourself or is it in the Lord? Come on, we can't quit at the first sign of trouble. We can't quit every time the devil attacks, amen? You need to realize something. Anytime you try to do something for God, the devil's going to show up. I love my father-in-law, Brother Randall Boatner. I might invite him to come preach. First sermon I ever heard him preach. He preached on the devil goes to church. And what I've learned is the devil doesn't go to those churches that are giving him any trouble. He attends the front row of the ones that are posing the greatest threat to him. And what you'll find is when God gets to stirring and God gets to moving, he starts pushing every fleshly button in the church. The loudest mouth will get louder. The most sour face will get more sour. Amen. The most honor will get even more honorary. Amen. And the next thing you know, it was going good. And all of a sudden, you're wondering where so-and-so went. Why can't so-and-so come why did they quit well if anything the church is diminishing and and then the devil will talk the church into blaming it on the preacher well if he would be a little bit different we would start, keep keep the ones that we got and the visitors would come back and and we get a haul in it and really all it is is just a big satanic campaign of discouragement to try to get us distracted from what's really going on amen and i'm talking about number two There's bigger fish to fry when distractions gain your attention. Distractions. Amen. There's always going to be insignificant chatter in the congregation. But what happens is the devil, and I know this from firsthand experience. I've been in ministry long enough. I've seen it over and over again. He makes sure that the most influential leader in the church Here's the most insignificant chatter and might try to make a mountain out of a molehill. And somebody will say something negative and before you know it, somebody said that to somebody and somebody else heard about it. Next thing you know, the devil had the whole congregation convinced there's a conspiracy going on and that the majority opinion is that we got to do something. And the truth is one little loudmouth said something stupid. Now everybody thinks we got a giant to fight and it ain't nothing but a little petty mess that we got to ignore and move past and keep going for Jesus. Can I get an amen, church? Don't get distracted by the petty. Don't let things gain your attention that don't deserve your attention. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on the gospel. Keep your focus on what matters most. Let all that other stuff just lay to rest. What I've learned is those distractions, if you don't feed them, they'll starve to death. Amen. They'll starve to death. The gossiper will quit gossiping when you stop listening to them. And they'll quit talking when you stop repeating what they said. Can I get an amen? I'm talking about there's bigger fish to fry. 
Amen. We've got more things to do than to sit around and grumble and complain and whine and listen to this and that and so and so and such and such and all this mess. Uh, what are we here to do? I'm here to preach the gospel and I'm here to try to provoke you to help me spread it. And that's what I'm going to be about. And I don't care what people say about anything else because that's the big thing. That's the main thing that we're here to do. Amen. Now, so remember this. When the devil comes with distractions, remember there's something more important going on. There's bigger fish to fry. Remember, Jesus already got a fish fry on the bank. You over there fishing around for stuff that don't even exist. Most of Satan's gossip is just fabricated lies to give the illusion of something real. Y'all know what fear is? I've, I've heard this acronym and I like it. False evidence appearing real. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and the best way to shut down that mess is quit listening to it and quit repeating it and get your nose back in the book. Amen. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, GaryCottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at GaryCottle.com. That's contact at Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.